This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, your host for today's program. We see in our day that the culture is always in conflict with the church, the body of Christ. We shouldn't be surprised, however, as Christ tells us in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. So how are believers to respond to Jesus when we're hated, when we're mocked, or even when we're persecuted? How are we to live so that our lives will draw others to know our Jesus? Well, God's Word prepares us for the troubles of this world. And over the next couple of weeks, we want to glean from the Word real-life examples and lessons learned from the early church of Thessalonica. And from the records we have, we can make application for today. Here to guide us through relevant passages is Pastor Scott Pollock. Scott is an adjunct professor of Grace School of Theology. He began serving God in student ministry during his college years at Texas A&M University. After graduating, he served as a senior high student pastor before pursuing and earning a master's in theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. During his training at DTS, Scott was mentored by Dr. Dave Anderson, founder of both Faith Bible Church in the Woodlands, Texas, and Grace School of Theology. Dr. Anderson invited Scott to join the pastoral team at Faith as a teaching pastor, and then upon Dr. Anderson's retirement, Scott began a 12-year service as lead pastor of Faith, uh, Faith Bible Church. He's about to begin his doctorate at Grace School of Theology, and currently he's enjoying time with his family, traveling the country, preaching, coaching, and serving the local church in the areas of discipleship and leadership. Welcome, Scott. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, it is so good, so good to have you. You know, this uh, subject today is very timely. Mm. Uh, I think so many are watching the news, Scott, reading the newspapers, talking to one another, and there, there are deep concerns about the direction that we are headed in this country. Uh, never in my lifetime have I seen such hatred expressed towards Christians in America. Uh, we hear about it regularly. Of course, our audience is worldwide. Mm. So I know that we have listeners who indeed are being persecuted uh, in this day and age. So our topic today is relevant for them as well, certainly. Mm -hmm. It seems that we need to start, Scott, by identifying the enemy. (laughs) You know, uh, it's so easy to talk about individuals that we know that we think are causing problems in the world. Uh, But let's identify the enemy and why it is that believers in Jesus are the ones who are hated. It's a perfect way to start. And since you mentioned my mentor, Dr. Dave Anderson, this is one of the chief lessons that he tried to instill in me. And I think with some measure of success, he did so um, because one of the chief strategies of the enemy, um, capital E enemy, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, um, the adversary, the, the dragon, Satan, um, the serpent of old, all of his titles in the scriptures. 
one of his chief strategies is to disappear behind misunderstood human enemies. So mm. we aren't recognizing him as the the enemy, but instead we see people as the enemy. And so this is what Dr. Dave Anderson would always tell me from Ephesians 6, that mm-hmm. our battle is not against flesh and blood, right. but against, and then he lists, Paul does there, all of these different hierarchies and layers of demonic powers yes. um, that is our real enemy. And he, he would say, Scott, if you ever begin to think that the person across the table or the mm. person across the aisle politically or the person uh, behind you or in front of you is your enemy, that's mm-hmm. when you're you're most confused. We have to we have to remain focused on um, the chief enemy as our enemy, especially if we're in ministry. As I'm a pastor, yeah. I have to remember that the person who may be causing me trouble or angst or even wounded me or mm-hmm. whatever is not mm-hmm. an obstacle to my ministry. It's not, he's not, he or she's not the enemy. They're actually the goal mm. of my ministry. And so um, that is the number one thing. And it is quite difficult oh, to yeah. remember, especially when uh, a person with a face or a name is the one causing pain, is the one yeah. attacking, is the one causing trouble. So um, that may be different here in America today and may change tomorrow but today then it is say in Afghanistan or North mm-hmm. Korea or Somalia where mm. we see the most heated mm. persecution against Christians and churches mm-hmm. and pastors and missionaries on the planet today that may change but um, that that's number one I think why, why Christians are the most mm-hmm. hated is is perfectly applicable to John fifteen eighteen, what you mm-hmm. referenced and it seems to be that when the creator of the world mm-hmm. um, incarnated himself and lived among us for mm-hmm. those many years, that the world's frustration and the, the, the cursed fallen world and the enemy's frustration was pointed at him. Um, we see that most on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as, as Jesus ascends into heaven, that focus of frustration and... Um, angst, anger, um, and now is focused on his followers. Mm. So mm. we are called the yes. body of Christ. Yes, we yeah. we we think of that in, um, in in simple structures like church or whatever. But the body is uh, supposed to be a picture of our physical form, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we are the physical representation of Jesus on the earth. Jesus says, "You know, the world will hate you because it hated me first. Well. It, it hates us with the same fury that it hated him. Oh, yes. And um, everywhere we go, simply because we are followers of Jesus, that will be the case. Yes. And it's hard for people to understand because they think, but it's the Christians who are doing so much good in the world. And, mm-hmm. and, and not and not all of us, because we do know there's misrepresentation True. of Christ, yeah. even in the church body, sadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it, it can be surprising to us. So we have to be prepared that he is going to hate us. If we right. love the Lord, that we will be his target. And the scriptures are clear that yeah. the, the, the Jesus is not ruling the earth right now. Yeah. As much as, yeah. you know, he's seated on the throne, he's mm-hmm. waiting to return and restore his rule and kingdom. But right now, the prince mm-hmm. of the power of the air is, uh, is ruling. And yeah. as C.S. Lewis said, we are in enemy-occupied territory, and so we no are going to be the target. 
Oh, no doubt. Well, you know, the apostles in the early church, they all experienced this hatred. And in fact, many suffered persecution. Some died as martyrs for their faith. Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica provides insight of the times and offers a glimpse, I think, of encouragement. Uh, The encouragement that he offered the church, uh, his words, though, certainly apply to us today. Give us some background, if you will, to help us better understand uh, Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, the context, the timing of it. Sure. Yeah. Um, We are recording this from Grace School Theology World Headquarters, which is north of Houston, Texas. Houston is the third largest city in America, the most diverse city in America. It's a port city. It's very cosmopolitan. It's got a great food scene. It's got incredibly diverse uh, religious aspects because it's so diverse ethnically. Um, Houston, Texas is very similar to Thessalonica Mm. in Paul's day. It was a port city. It was very cosmopolitan. It was on a major thoroughfare for Roman travel and trade. Uh, Because of that, there were people from all parts of the Mediterranean, Mm -hmm. dozens and dozens of cultures and countries represented there, which means dozens and dozens of different religions and gods that were worshipped, idols that were worshipped. I've been to the city myself twice, Mm. Mm. and um, a little of the agora, the main marketplace, has been uncovered, and what we can tell is it was a massive marketplace area. And so that tends to represent the size of the city. And it was was very, very huge. Paul came there on his second missionary journey, um, got ran out of Philippi, and then got ran out of Thessalonica. They chased him to Berea, uh, modern-day Berea, the next next stop, which um, his followers put him on a boat down to Athens. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't seem to spend much time in Athens. He goes to Corinth, where he spends at least 18 months. And it's probably from Corinth that he writes 1 Thessalonians and, and 2 Thessalonians after Timothy comes back and gives him word of what's happening. But he, the important part to remember is in Acts 17, where Paul arrives at Thessalonica. It only records three Sabbaths worth of work in Acts. But I, I think that he stayed much longer, perhaps even as many as a few months. And he gets run out of town there with an angry mob, mm-hmm. angry at him because mm-hmm. of his views of Jesus and mm-hmm. his views about Old Testament law, Mosaic law, Jewish um, versus non-Jew confusion at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the real part is they, they, ran, they ran Paul out of town and um, Silas and Timothy. But the anger towards Paul would have just then resettled on those who had believed. And there were many who had believed, yeah. um, both Jews and Gentiles, it says in Acts. And so the persecution on this brand new infant church in Thessalonica would have been just as hot as the anger against Paul, mm. but Paul's now gone. And so it's a, it's it's j- exactly the same picture we just said. When right. Jesus was fo- the focus of all the anger yes. and he leaves to go to heaven, it gets reallocated to his followers. The same thing happened in Thessalonica and it was very, very hot. So the letters that he wrote, first mm-hmm. and second, mm-hmm. um, give great testimony to mm. the heat of the persecution and tribulation there. And that is the central reason why the faith of the Church of Thessalonica Mm -hmm. spread famously Mm -hmm. over that entire region. And Paul is so proud of them. 
he gives a, a congratulatory thank you and prayer for three chapters of a five chapter book, which is pretty amazing. It, it really is. And, it and just, unprecedented in, in yes. Paul's letters. Yeah. It just goes to show you the, the impact that we can have to a world watching when we are being persecuted mm-hmm. and still have the joy of Christ in our life. Yeah. And, and uh, well, as you, as you say, he was so proud of them for the way they had endured and the mm-hmm. way of their faith. And uh, so w- what can we glean from their hope that will help us Uh, Should we face similar persecution in our life? Well, uh, I think we will face persecution Mm -hmm. in our life. Mm -hmm. I think... I'm not a prophet. I don't want to be um, in in the in the foretelling spirit of prophet. I yeah. I don't know the future, yeah. um, but God's word calls us to be um, discerners of the signs of the times mm-hmm. and readers of the culture. And as I read it and sift it through the truth of God's word, I see very discouraging mm-hmm. and um, and sobering. Um, arcs of decision-making and values and priorities and yeah. cultural shifts that um, are um, that, that have spiked up. It seems mm-hmm. to be different than the normal trajectory over the last many decades. Mm-hmm. I now, agree. and I'm not very mm-hmm. old, right? I'm, I'm a few years under 50, and mm-hmm. so yeah, I've got, mm-hmm. I'm hopefully just entering the best years of my life. Yes. I'm just getting started, I feel like. But um, I, I'm seeing things that Um, are worrisome. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. here's what I think the Lord has impressed upon me as a first a disciple and then as a pastor, Mm -hmm. as we entered into the last major season of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Right before that, the Lord um, started to impress upon me to help prepare the church for suffering. And, and I took that very seriously. Wow, yes. And so we had just at that time finished a series as I was lead pastor of Faith Bible on First Peter, which is all about mm-hmm. um, suffering. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit and we had to shift and pivot as everybody did. And then coming out of that, you know, we, God led us to First and Second Thessalonians, which is very similar in subject matter. So I think the big thing is to not fear or um, resist pain and suffering as much as we are trained to do in our culture now. That, and, and even when it comes to the simple areas of discomfort mm-hmm. or disagreement, mm-hmm. which you could say mm-hmm. would be the slightest forms of pain and suffering, discomfort, disagreement. Well, those two things, let's just put those in the test tube and say those two things are anathema in our culture now. To disagree with me is to do me violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To uh, to be discomfortable is someone is infringing upon my rights. Mm-hmm. And that is... Um, a telltale sign. Uh, it's a bit of a red flag for some of the things that are going on in the culture. So what I would want to say to Christians is to um, not seek out pain and suffering, of course. but to accept it, and I do mean that word, in a way, especially if it's connected to your faith, if it's yes. connected to biblical values, if it's connected to your identity as a follower of Jesus, to accept it with a measure of gratitude, because that's what we see in in the Thessalonian church. Because here's what pain and suffering do for us. They clarify and test and purify our mm. values and priorities. Yeah. 
and that's a really good thing. Oh, yes, it is. That's a beautiful thing. And, <laughs> it is. and it's, it's like we never ask for oh, no. pruning, uh, but God knows we need it and what he's going to do with it. And then Someone much thing. smarter than me has said that pruning is the necessary entrance mm. fee into the next season of fruitfulness. Wow. And so that oh, is love that. Ha, has a lot to do with persecution suffering sometimes. Oh, yes. Yes. No doubt about it. Well, you know, we we are obviously bombarded with news today that that I believe uh, is certainly used by the enemy to try to steal our hope and our joy and our peace. Uh, You offer some practical ways that we can survive the news cycle. <laughs> I saw this and thought, wow, we we need to share this. I think of people, I mean, people's names come to mind who are so stressed just after watching the evening news. Oh, sure. To a point where they can't sleep. <laughs> uh, so we, we need to know how to firmly cling to our hope uh, and still not stick our head in the sand. Correct. We need to know what's going on. Or right? get lost in yeah. the whirlwind. Yeah. So walk us through a few of those suggestions in in trying to um, uh, survive the news cycle. Well, I think, first of all, we need to understand perhaps that the news cycle is built and feeds off of angst. So in many ways... Um, in our in our current culture, and I'm not I'm not targeting any specific mm-hmm. right or left, middle, whatever centrist right. view. I'm just suggesting that uh, media as a whole in our day, the lifeblood of media is tension, and so it wants to cause tension in many ways rather than just inform. Yeah. And so when we understand that, we need to be a little bit more prepared to enter the news cycle. So the first thing I say is to receive the news with. A, with a disciplined faith. Now, discipline for me is incredibly important because I struggle with it. First, uh, first of all, I struggle with it so much. But discipline is that incredibly critical link between our values and our expectations, our actions. Mm-hmm. We don't talk a lot about discipline, but discipline is that thing that puts feet to our values mm-hmm. in action. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we must sit with the Lord in his word, we must be engaged in disciplined prayer, in mm-hmm. community, and all of these things because that prepares our heart and mind for the world and for engaging the culture. And unless we want to hold ourselves up and wrap our kids in bubble mm-hmm. wrap and close all the windows and doors tightly and turn off the Wi-Fi and, and like you said, just stick our head in the sand, which is not a good option these yeah. days, um, we have to be prepared. And to be prepared means disciplined faith. The second mm-hmm. thing I say mm-hmm. is to examine the news don't just simply accept examine Mm -hmm. filter Mm -hmm. with a critical faith uh, a critical judgment we we tend to think that judgment is a bad word but um we have we have both john 7 and matthew 7 do not judge lest you be judged matthew 7 but john 7 says jesus says judge with a righteous judgment and so we need to um take that disciplined faith our time in god's word and um turn that into a filter that helps us understand what is true and what is false and may yes. what may what still be in the middle. I, I like the question marks section of the middle. I, I have a lot of stuff in the question mark yes, section. Yes, you know? we all do. I think, yeah, some things, the, that's mm-hmm. not right. That's not true. Mm-hmm. So I, some things are true. And the big section in the middle 
I, I have yet to figure out. I need to pray through that. I need to do some more study, you know. And so the next one is, yeah, filter that through God's word. Pray through it, of course. Ask God to give you discernment for mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the most important step that I want to tell people, because this cuts at the heart of some of the problems in our culture, is mm-hmm. grow, change, adjust Mm. your thinking and your preparation and your engagement based on what you have learned. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think we'll see in our culture more and more as we go. The, The one thing that people seem to be unwilling to do is to change. Yeah. Discipleship is all about change and it maturity is. and growth. Yes. Christians should lead the way in a willingness to change. Now, this doesn't mean to change our values, mm-hmm. to change our um, priorities, to change our biblical commitments. It doesn't mean compromise, but it does mean growth, maturity, um, adjustment. And that's really, really important as we engage the culture. The culture expects us as followers of Jesus to be all of these things that the enemy has whispered in their ear. That's you right. Know? So That's right. Uh, bigots and mm-hmm. racists and homophobes mm-hmm. and all of these other things. They are. They see us as unchanging as we we don't hear we just yell back these things that we parrot from pastors or god's word Mm -hmm. and so we have some work to do in dismantling that and the way that we do that is i think lead in humility Mm and teachability Mm -hmm. without compromising our biblical commitments or values yes Um, yes. and we grow we ask more questions than we make statements um, and we Don't listen. You think to it's, it's it's looking for common ground, yeah. Instead of just picking on all the things that we disagree on. Don't Correct. you think? Absolutely. True. And loving them through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come alongside them. Maybe they can see something in you that will go, whoa. Well, I kind of like to have that joy, that peace. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Very very important, Scott. Well, you know, we started our program today identifying the enemy. Uh, Part of our hope lies in the fact that we know the end of the story, right? Mm -hmm. Remind our listeners of Satan's demise, (laughs) because we're like, we are ready for that to happen. But uh, just kind of give us that picture, if you will. Well, 1 Thessalonians, um, the end of chapter 1, it it does give us three promises, which we may get to in the future. Um, It gives us the promise of God's enduring presence. Second, the promise of our enduring trouble. until he comes back. But the third one is his ultimate victory. And so when we see the reality, the future history of of God's ultimate victory in Jesus, the demise of Satan is central. I I think of two things. One, there is no big war at the end. There's no big arm wrestling. Mm -hmm. Is God going to win? Is Satan going to win? It's almost as if God is just looking at his watch and when the time that only he knows comes to, he snaps his finger. He actually tells an angel to go do it. And an angel goes and binds Satan in the lake of fire forever and ever. Um, He just says the word. There is Mm -hmm. no battle. There's no who's going to win. But before that, uh, one of the passages in Revelation 12, long before we get to mm-hmm. the end, the end, the last days of Revelation 18, 19, and 20, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this beautiful statement that has been so powerfully important for me over the years is talking about our chief enemy, identifying him. And it says, they, the mm-hmm. people who were the target of his wrath at that time, they overcame him by three things, by the blood of the lamb, 
by the word of their testimony and that they didn't love their life even unto death. Mm. And so this is powerful. First yeah. of all, Jesus is central, the blood of the lamb. We can't do anything good. There's mm-hmm. no victory without Jesus. Mm-hmm. Second, the, our identity in Jesus, the word of our testimony. Mm-hmm. And that's all we need. I, I would say this, yeah. it is more important, our testimony, than our answers to questions that are hard. And those are important too, but our testimony is the one thing that people um, have a hard time disagreeing with right. um, on other grounds. That um, I was blind, but now I see. Exactly. You know, as simple like as I, that. <laughs> right. As yeah. simple as that. I was lost and depressed and hopeless and lonely. Yeah. Jesus entered my life mm-hmm. and changed everything. Um, yeah. And But that last one, they didn't love their life even unto death. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. acceptance of the reality of persecution, pain, and mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. And a straining reach of hope in Jesus. Mm. They cling to Jesus Mm. in the midst of pain and suffering. That's how they overcame Mm. the devil. Mm. And that's still how we will overcome our enemy in our day. Mm. No doubt about it. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's powerful. Thank you so much. You know, I never want to assume that all of our listeners share the hope that we have in Jesus. So just in closing, Scott, would you speak to those today who have no hope, who perhaps are fearful uh, as they consume the daily news and, and see what's happening in this world? Yes, I would just say to those souls, dear brothers and sisters, that I would encourage you to look in a different place, mm. to not mm. look horizontally out to the new cycle, to the change that you hope to see around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but to look up to the one who created and to the one who has already written the end before the beginning even began. And I, I would just say that the kind of hope that you're looking for is not available horizontally. Mm-hmm. Um, where it is, it is promised by an enemy and, an, and a system that never delivers on no. its promise. Yeah. And so the only one who makes a promise and keeps it always is the creator. Um, he is good and loving. And I would encourage you, it's okay to not have hope because um, I, I would just say that it. All is not lost if you don't have hope today because the Father is ready and willing to give that to you upon your request, upon your desperate cry um, and faith in Jesus. And so I would just say, don't look in the wrong places, Mm -hmm. but to look up for hope. Amen. Amen. Oh, wow. Thank you, Scott, for your insight today. My pleasure. Uh, We do want to have you back next week, and we'll uh, continue this discussion. And thanks to you, our listeners. Perhaps you were motivated today to learn more about God's plans for the future. We invite you to check out the many courses offered through our degrees program here at Grace School of Theology. Or for those simply wanting to just know and love our Savior more deeply, check out Grace on Demand through our Grace Center for spiritual development. You can find information at our website at gsot.edu. That is gsot.edu. Or you can download the Grace app. We're so glad you've tuned in today. Please tell others about saving grace. And remember, the love of Christ, it can never be earned and it can never be lost. We hope to see you next time. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, 
visit our website at gsot.edu slash center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.